This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode 71 of Go To Grandma. I'm your host and hopefully your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth. And when I say good morning, you might be tuning in to hear this show at 7.30 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. You might be listening to it on the podcast at any time of day or night. But imagine if someone forced you to get up at about 3 o'clock every morning to go to work for 21 years. That's what Bob Cowan, the host of CHCH Morning Live, did. And just after CHCH moved into their brand new studio, Bob decided to turn off that alarm and tune in to his retirement. I've known Bob for years, being a regular on that morning show, and I'm so excited to speak to him about what the heck he's been doing with his mornings, his life, his wife, and his granddad role since then. We're going to share some fun broadcasting stories. Stories are something the Irish certainly know how to tell. I had the opportunity to travel to Northern Ireland last week, and my not-so-Irish eyes were opened to what life is like there now, compared to what it was like before the peace accord that was signed in 1998. Is there tension? Is it calm? The answer to both questions is yes. I traveled up to Derry and then drove down the coast to Belfast, which is a beautiful drive, including the World Heritage UNESCO site, the Giant's Causeway. What I saw and heard amazed me. I was a young adult during the height of the Troubles, but I didn't really know anything about it. In the 80s, I met a girl in university who had escaped from Belfast because of safety issues, but I didn't realize what it must have been really like for her until I visited myself and heard about it firsthand, including the horrific Bloody Sunday. Today, my thoughts on this part of the world and why I definitely think you should visit. The Dairy Girls and the gang from Game of Thrones can't be wrong, right? Not to mention the line of duty devotees, say it with me, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the wee donkey. All of these hit shows proudly filmed in Northern Ireland, a testament to how it is moving forward. I talked to Tourism Ireland about why this country is one you need to put on your 2023 travel list. We have a special Take 5 with RBC today, as we include the CNIB in our chat to talk about Blind Square. The Blind Square app recognizes when the user of the app is close to an RBC branch, and it guides them to the ATM. We'll get all the details on that today. I may have enjoyed a special Irish coffee or two last week, but this morning I'm back to my regular boring Canadian coffee, but with some very exciting guests you're going to want to hear from this morning. I chat with Bob Cowan next. Bob Cowan was heard on radio in the nation's capital before making the transition to television in Ottawa as host of The Bob Couch. He was later seen nationally on the Global Television Network and on Inside Entertainment interviewing stars from Los Angeles and New York. In September, Bob set up the early morning alarm for the last time, wrapping up 21 years as host of the morning live show on CHCH Television. Good morning, Bob Cowan. Thanks for coming on the show today. Well, thank you so much for the invite, Kathy. I'm so excited. Are you just waking up? 
like 10 o'clock in the morning or have you been awake, you know, since three? Yeah, you did actually just wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> my life now. I've actually completely let myself go since you saw me last. Is that right? Actually, I saw you just before my retirement. I don't think I've had a haircut since. <gasps> I look like Nick Nolte's mug shot. Oh, right that's no, I, that's not a look I would aspire to. And I don't believe it for a second. You're a pretty disciplined guy. You have to be, you got up for, what time did you get up for 21 years for Morning Live? Uh, well, actually, the hours did uh, shift somewhat, but for the last eight years or so, it was really the crack of stupid. The yeah. alarm would go off at 2.45. I'd slap snooze a couple of times, and then uh, I had to be in for 3.30. That's crazy. Thankfully, I didn't have a long commute, but yeah, it was insane. And that was, uh, that was one factor for my retirement. I, actually, so I was going to launch into that as sort of a great you know, segue into it is your decision to retire. You were with the station, obviously, and in the broadcast world for so long. Was there like a moment of truth where you said, this is why I need to retire, or was it something that you'd been thinking about for a while? I had been thinking about it for a while, but like I say, there was a number of factors. Travel is one of them, actually, and uh, I've just been living vicariously through you. I love your post from uh, Ireland, by the way, particularly Belfast, the uh, Titanic Museum. Absolutely. And actually, your interview is going to be on the same show as my Northern Ireland oh, really? interview, which is awesome. Yeah. Yes, that was a fantastic trip. I, was, I had to laugh when you... Uh, you mentioned what the locals say about the Titanic. Well, she was fine when she left here. <laughs> it's on T-shirts. It made me laugh. <laughs> oh, really? That's hilarious. So have you been traveling, Bob? Have you been getting out there? Big plans? Well, we have some big trips planned for next year. Actually, we've got a baby trip today. We're actually headed off to the Lucy and Desi Museum in oh. uh, Jamestown, New York. Have you heard about that? I have not, but I would go. You should do a feature on it, actually. Yeah. So Lucille Ball, obviously, uh, that's her final resting place. She's from Jamestown. So there's a yes. Lucy and Desi Museum with the original I Love Lucy set and all kinds of stuff. But Lucy didn't want it to be all about her. She wanted, like, a comedy hall of fame. So just uh, down the street is the National Comedy Center, and that's exactly what it is. It's actually a pretty – I've been – hearing rave reviews about it. So anyways, we're headed there today. Oh, that's great. So you're spending a lot of time sort of traveling. I know you're also, you're a grandpa. Tell me about that a little bit. <laughs> well, that's another uh, big factor yeah. too. Yes. And since we're on go-to grandma, I always want to say, go to grandma. <laughs> I like to say your go-to grandma. But anyway, it's all, I, I'll take it any way it comes, as you know. So, <laughs> yeah. so how is granddad life since retirement? Oh, well, little Henry's a big factor in the retirement, you know, mm-hmm. just spending more time with him. Although, actually, well, I've got you on the line. Have you ever put together a Fisher-Price skip-hop activity center? <laughs> I'm not going to help you with that. That's granddad training, man. you got to do that yourself. Well, I did, but there's there's parts left over. Oh, well. And he's in the thing, and it's like, oh, my God, don't fall apart. Don't fall apart. Stay in it, Henry. It's kind of like the tilt-a-whirl at the X, you know, and you look, and there's bolts <laughs> left over in the pavement. So more time for travel, more time for granddadding, which is amazing. Yeah. And then the other side, well, I was going to say the other side of the spectrum, too, and it's given me more time mm-hmm. um, to help out. You know, there's other sibs helping out, but uh, mom and dad, they're in right. retirement and long-term care. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, has its challenges and, and it's time consuming. And uh, the extra time has been great being able to spend it with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, for sure. Although, you know, it's so funny. Just the other day, like we were shifting my dad into um, a new wing where he's getting extra care. And uh, but it also meant going to a new dining room. And my sister and I are dropping him off, and he's meeting his new table mates. And it was just like, 
leaving, you know, your, your kid at first day at school. You know, oh, I hope he gets along with his friends, Aww. you know. And then sure enough, he didn't. You know, I called the next day, you know, he's, uh, his table mates are uh, George and Ed. Ned talks too much. He wants to move. He wants his old dining room back. So Aww. I have to call. And, and Dad doesn't like to complain because he doesn't want, you know, he goes, oh, I, I don't want to complain because I don't want them to, you know, think I'm a pain and, you know, they don't want to treat me well. You know, so it's okay. I'll just ask Dad, you know, maybe they can move you to the dining room. And, you know, they're very accommodating trying to make them happy, you know, but I spoke to them. And in the interim, they had spoken to Dad, or my sister dropped by to follow up on my request. And they said, well, we, we talked to uh, your dad, and uh, he said Bob just overreacts. What the well, heck? that's true. I mean, I know you, Bob, so I have to say, I think I'm just kidding. <laughs> when you when you oh. must have more of a time for reflection as well. So when you look back at all your years in broadcasting, is there a particular interview or a particular time that really stands out to you? Well, the thing I love, and I'm sure it's the same with you as well, like just meeting people mm-hmm. that you normally never get to meet. And if I had to pick one of so many, I would say Buzz Aldrin. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a biggie because um, I was uh, in awe talking to him. And the whole time it was my, you know, 12-year-old self in my PJs talking yeah. to him. Because that's what I was wearing, watching the moon landing in black and white. And the thought of just being able to speak to that man so many years later, living history. Cool. It was pretty cool. And he was so gracious with his time and had amazing stories. So you were in television, obviously, right, at, you know, when it was basically cave drawings, let's be honest. No, when it was, you know, they were, it's very sort of, you know, analog and whatever. Then we went through digitization and now we've gone. Where do you see it going, Bob, in the next little while? Well, of course, you, you yourself know, you know, the uh, impact of social media. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't a factor in my retirement, just an observation, but... You know, I just, it it felt like the right time. Like we're Mm -hmm. in a new building. It felt like a new era. And as you know, there was enough boomers there, more Gen Xers and a whole lot of Gen Zers or Gen Z. And they were so much fun, so nice. But each day, increasingly, I was feeling just a little less cool. (laughs) (laughs) Bob, you're still cool. You'll always be cool. And if people want to see how cool you are, they can, of course, find you on Instagram at BobCowanCHCH or at Twitter at BobCowan00. I love catching up with you. We could do this for hours. You and I have talked many times in the past. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of what retirement has been like for you. And best wishes and have fun with Henry. And I hope he doesn't hurt himself on the toy you're building. Me too. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Bob. Take care. At the end of November, beginning of December, I had the opportunity to visit Northern Ireland, and it absolutely exceeded my expectations. I had been to the Republic of Ireland several times before, but wasn't sure what to expect in Northern Ireland, and it was fantastic. And I have Sandra Moffat, who's the manager of Canada for Tourism Ireland, and she's joining me today to talk about what I saw and what other people tell her they see when they visit for the first time. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Kathy. It's great to hear that you had a good time in Northern Ireland. How can you not, right, with the people and everything going on there and the stories? I had a few surprises, though, I have to admit. I did some research beforehand. What do you hear from people is their biggest surprise the first time they visit Northern Ireland? There is a few things that we hear quite a lot. I think one of the things that really surprises people is how easy and close it is to get to Northern Ireland after landing in Dublin from Canada. Most people will take one of the many direct routes from across the country right into Dublin. And it's only a short 90-minute drive or bus or train, however you like to get there, to Belfast. 
Um, and I think once you're there, then the staggering natural beauty of the coastline is what really captures people's attention. It's a really bucket list drive along what we call the Causeway Coast, the Northern Irish coast. And you can see right across the water to Scotland from there. It's really fantastic. I did what you suggested. I took the flew into Dublin, took the airport bus. Super efficient, by the way. Very affordable. Free Wi-Fi, everything up to Belfast. And then had a car ride up to Derry. So did that Causeway Coast on the way up and then on the way back. And it, you're absolutely right. The mountains surprised me. The beauty of the coastline surprised me. So gorgeous. You know what I really love about Northern Ireland? I'm sure you experienced this on your visit, Cathy, is that Ireland in general is a country full of storytellers. Um, mm-hmm. But some of the best are up north. You know, on the Northern Irish coast, you have the myths, the legends, the giant's causeway, all the ruins dotting the landscape, things like that. And um, it's just so uniquely Irish. It really is. And you're right, the Giants Causeway, so many myths and stories. And I heard, obviously, all about Finn McCool several times. And the myth of him, people can look that up. And that was really cool. But besides the sort of the massive history that embraces that area, I was also surprised at the modernity of some of the cities as well that I visited, including Belfast, of course. Yeah, Belfast is an incredibly vibrant city. It's amazing at this time of year. I hope the Christmas market was on at City Hall while you were there. It was. It's incredible, all those lights. And it's also that live music scene in Belfast is unrivaled. And there's good reason it was named UNESCO City of Music, I think it was late last year. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things that one of the more modern things, actually, I guess it's it's getting on many years now, but is the Titanic Museum. And I spent a whole day in the Titanic Quarter, of course, at the Titanic Museum, but also at the Titanic Hotel with such a great history there as well. Yeah, it's amazing. And you have those two giant yellow cranes towering over the skyline, Samson and Goliath, they call them, that's from where the shipyard where the Titanic was built. Yeah, it's quite something to stand there in the shipyards where you know that the ship was built. And as the Irish say, she was fine when she left here, right? So (laughs) I heard that more than a few times. Part of the reason I think the interest in Northern Ireland is high right now, I'm going to say, is the success of shows like Dairy Girls. And of course, Game of Thrones and Line of Duty are also filmed in Northern Ireland. But Dairy Girls really seems to have captured people's imaginations. What do you think it's done for sort of that region? Yeah, Dairy Girls is hilarious. So for anyone who hasn't watched it, highly recommend. But for us, it's really brought a new demographic to Dairy London Dairy. It's a wildly popular show. And I think these shows incentivize visitors to go to the areas of country maybe they wouldn't have visited before. And once they're there, they realize there's so much more to discuss. And, you know, Dairy. I absolutely. And I took a Dairy Girls tour, which was incredible. And so many of the sites where the show was filmed. And really, you can tell the excitement around the fact that people are sort of discovering dairy in a new way beyond the troubles, which is really interesting to me. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, Ireland's the home of Halloween, and that originated from the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain many, um, many moons ago. Um, and Derry was voted the best place in the world to celebrate Halloween by USA Today just a few years ago. But no one really went there before. You know, Derry really put a spotlight on it. And I think Derry girls and shows like that do a really good job as well of showcasing the unique and quirky Irish sense of humour to audiences. And we're so pleased that it resonates around the world. You know, the people are what make a trip memorable. Um, and we know Ireland and Northern Ireland delivers on that space. Yeah, I didn't know that Halloween was born in Dare either. And then I was pointed out the city crest, which actually has a skeleton on it. So that should have been my first clue. And yeah, I understand the Halloween festival and Dairy is really quite something, a big parade, etc. Yeah, spectacular. It's a whole four-day event um, that, you know, makes the city go alive. And, you know, people joke that you don't go to Ireland for the weather, but I'll tell you, I did, Sandra, because the weather was nicer there when I was there than it was here. And it was wonderful being there with all of the Christmas decorations and the Christmas lights and the whole, like, it's such a nice time to visit and obviously less in terms of crowds. 
Yeah, like off-season is really a great time to go. It's always better value. But for Ireland, for me, you know, it's, it's so festive, it's atmospheric, the cosy Irish pub. That time of year is just so inviting. And I know for here, I love living in Canada, but when I'm sitting in a, you know, minus 15 degree Canadian winter, I do miss home a little bit sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And as I mentioned, so I, I flew in and then made my way up to Derry to start. And then I spent a couple of days there, which was amazing. And then I went down to Bally Castle, which is, of course, near the Giant's Causeway. Now, the Giant's Causeway, for those who don't know, was recently declared a UNESCO World heritage site. So tell me about that. Yeah, it was named a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1986, and it's lying at the foot of basalt cliffs along the North Sea coast. So it's made up of approximately 40,000 um, massive hexagonal black basalt columns sticking out of the sea. So it's a really impressive site. And geological studies show these formations over the last 300 years have really greatly contributed to the development of the Earth sciences. And that striking landscape was caused by volcanic activity 50 or 60 million years ago. But the Irish never like to let the truth get in the way of a good story. So the myth behind it is that Northern Ireland was once home to the giant you mentioned earlier, Finn McCool, and when another giant, Ben and Donner, across the Irish Sea in Scotland, threatened Ireland, and Finn retaliated by tearing up great chunks of the Antrim coastline and hurling them into the sea. So, you know, science or myth, you be the judge. Well, exactly. I love that you referenced that myth because I heard so many great stories from my tourism guide. I had this wonderful guide that took me around, and I just never knew when he was telling the truth, and I loved it. He had such conviction around some of the stories. But when I said, can I fact check that? He'd say, no, I'll tell you the truth now. So it was, it was great fun. And the best way to learn about the history, of course, is to talk to the people. Yeah, it is the thing that sets Ireland apart. I think we're known for that Irish sense of humour and the hospitality and just a bit of fun. So you have to go for the crack, the C or AIC crack. When you're the crack, exactly. I love all these expressions that I was hearing when I was there, too. My favourite was your dad sells Avon. Okay, that one just cracked me right up <laughs> in terms of a real bad insult. Okay, not to trash Avon. So I had a terrific time there. I'm going to be posting all about it on my website, which is kathybuckworth.com, all the places I stayed and the things that I did, which were graciously organized for me by Tourism Island and by Booking.com. So I thank you for allowing me to see this part of the world, and I can't wait to go back. And I am sure that dairy is going to explode, in particular next summer, of course, after Martin Scorsese mentioned that he's a fan of the show Dairy Girls. Well, we can't wait to welcome you back, Kathy. Thanks so much for your time, Sandra. Claire Johnston is a senior manager of design delivery who has been with RBC for 33 years in various roles, but currently looks after the design and renovations of RBC's branch network across Canada. Marianne Bent is a pioneer in the world of navigation and wayfinding for the people who are blind or partially sighted with a practiced art for designing and installing workable solutions. She leads the CNIB Frontier Accessibility Navigation and Wayfinding Effort and its goal to make the built environment accessible for all. Good morning, Claire and Marianne. Thanks so much for being part of our Take 5 with RBC series. I'm so excited to talk today about Blind Square and how RBC is helping blind and visually impaired Canadians. So in recognition of International Day of Persons with Disabilities, which this year had the theme of transformative solutions for inclusive development, the role of innovation in fueling and accessible and equitable world, it seems appropriate to talk about Blind Square, the application. Why is this important for the blind or partially sighted community, Marianne? So Blind Square is an accessible GPS app that is it's self-voicing and it has uses algorithms to format that typical GPS information that a sighted person might use in a way that is optimized for somebody who's blind or partially sighted and even deafblind. But in addition to that 
information that is used to navigate with that open source GPS information, it has the option to have additional components of customized messaging that we can create and fill in those very large gaps of information that make a difference to a blind or partially sighted person being able to actually find their way to their final destination. So those gaps in information where, let's say, a sighted person might be arriving on a bus to a new location, they might get off on the bus and know that they have arrived, and they might be able to look around with visual scan and being able to see, okay, there's a door to an RBC that I need to get to. All I have to do is cross this mountain or mountainous chasm of a parking lot and get to the right door. And then once I'm inside, I have to be able to navigate around, especially if I want to use the ATM and use that correctly. So that maybe is anywhere from 10 to 300, sometimes even 500 meters of information that's missing. And that can literally easily add an hour to somebody's journey if they don't have the benefit of the visual scan to fill in that gap of information. So when I'm using the Blind Square app, walk me through that. So maybe I get off the bus or maybe I arrive near to the ATM where it's activated by RBC. What happens? So where without that custom information, you'd be able to get relatively close. And in the case of RBC, we learned in doing this project that a lot of those open source GPS points might be anywhere in the middle of the building to even sometimes a little bit down the street. So instead of just getting you nearby, you could actually get information about the entrance, which is the crucial bit of information, it'll tell you roughly where it is. Maybe it might be 90 meters at 11 o'clock. And with that custom information, we can also describe the layout. So whether it's a parking lot, there's even a pathway nearby, which will make all the difference to the safety of the travel. So getting to that door is that first major step. And then once you're inside the door to be able to navigate through the branch, find the ATM, know where to locate Uh, the inside of the branch, the hours, and what kind of services are available and what they can request at that site. That's amazing. I love this technology. And Claire, I need to, you know, speak to you about why does it matter to RBC to support visually impaired Canadians? Of course it matters. But, you know, tell me about the rollout of the app and where it's available and why RBC is involved in this very special project. Yeah, absolutely. We actually learned about it in 2018. And Blind Square, we were one of the first companies to come out. So, there wasn't a lot of knowledge about it, but honestly, we got a email from one of our executives who had read about an initiative the CNIB was doing around their office in Toronto up at Young and St. Clair, encouraging all of the businesses. And so we just got an email going, have you heard of this? And is this something we should be looking at? So we thought it was really awesome, but we didn't know anything about it. So we went up to, had a meeting with the CNIB to learn more, and then actually with Marianne and Debbie from uh, the CNIB and uh, one of my colleagues, Sandy, and we spent a week going to branches and learning what it was like to be blind and why we would want to do this. And it was such a good fit for our clients that we decided to proceed. I mean, it was, um, we're looking for any way to make anything more accessible for our clients. And this was a really easy fit that the CNIB had in place and pretty much ready to roll out. So it was really well done. And you have 300 branches, is that right, With that are now uh, launched with this? Yeah. Yeah, one of our next steps then was deciding where to put it. Mm -hmm. So we sat down with the CNIB and said, we're a bank, you tell us where we should have this. Let's work together on it. And we went with, uh, came up with just over 300 branches. They're in urban centers for the most part, targeted towards heavy foot traffic and heavy transit access. But less, we didn't necessarily install it in branches that were a driving destination. Just, and according to the CNIB, it just, 
those were not a, a great use of them. We want heavy, like where their clients are on the street is where we want it to be, be in the path. Makes sense. There's such a great app. I've been online to look at it. Where's the best place for uh, listeners to go for this information, Marianne? For downloading the app, you can find the app in the App Store. Mm-hmm. So it was originally until this month, it was only available on iOS, which is the preferred format for most people who are blind or partially sighted, but they've recently come out with a basic Android version. And to find out more information, you can go to our website at cnib-frontieraccessibility.ca or the cnib.ca website to find out more information. And I will put that in the show notes when this comes out on the podcast. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me in this. This is a wonderful, wonderful application and one that I'm sure there are listeners will We'll really appreciate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kathy. I didn't float up the lagon in a bubble. This is a famous Irish quote referencing the River Lagan in Northern Ireland, meant to infer that one has life experience to justify their opinions. And it was famously used by Ted Hastings in The Line of Duty, a drama about police corruption that was filmed in Belfast. At 59 years of age, I, too, have life experience, but I wasn't sure what I would find in Northern Ireland. What I did find was the friendliest people with the best stories, traditional and inventive food, luxurious and unique accommodations, and a new knowledge of what it was like to live through the Troubles and the continuing journey to integration. My thanks to the Irish Tourism Board and Booking.com who made my trip so memorable. I can't wait to go back. Thanks to the Bishop's Gate Hotel in Derry, the Saltwater Inn in Ballycastle, and the Fitzwilliams Hotels in both Belfast and Dublin for hosting me. For more details on what I did and where I stayed, visit my website at kathybuckworth.com. Next week, tech guru and pal Mark Saltzman is back on the show to tell us all about new technologies we can use in our homes for ourselves and for when the grandkids visit. Plus, what to look for during those Boxing Day sales. Then we flip the script as author Paul Burton joins me to talk about his new book, Shopomania. Why do we shop so much? And what can we do to help slow this down? Our Take 5 with RBC series continues with some real chat about the importance of estate planning and wills as we think about our family's legacy going into the holidays. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and thanks again for touring along with me on this, our grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.